Hello listeners, welcome to Mike's Amazing World of DC History. I'm Mike Voiles, the creator of Mike's Amazing World of Comics, a website containing a wide array of features, all dedicated to comic books. I've created this podcast as another avenue for sharing comic information with other fans. I'll be explaining more about this show in just a moment, but first let me share a little bit about myself. I've collected comics since I was a kid and developed a passion primarily for comics published by DC Comics. Although I had a few Archies and Marvels already, the first comic I can remember buying off the stands was New Teen Titans number 1 from 1980. I was just 7 years old at that time, and I regularly bought comics for the next 3 years. My must-have titles for that time were Titans, All-Star Squadron, and Captain Carrot, all of which were published by DC, because DC had my favorite characters. Then I quit comics for about a year. I think I was spending most of my spare money at the time. I was just a kid, but my spare money went to toys. And it was G.I. Joe that got me back into comics. Uh, I got a couple of issues of the G.I. Joe comic book and found my first real comic book store, and I was hooked again. So right after that, I added most of the DC titles to my pull list, just in time for the publication of DC's Who's Who and Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I collected most of the DC titles for the next couple years and then I was in a comic store one day and I overheard a conversation from a guy who claimed that he owned every DC comic. This fascinated me and I wanted to do the same thing. Of course when I first conceptualized that goal I had no idea how hard or darn near impossible that goal would be to accomplish. I don't even know if I understood the conversation correctly because it's highly unlikely that the guy I overheard really had all the DC Comics. In any case, beginning with the comics cover dated January 1987, I bought every DC comic, including the trades, including variant covers, including all the imprints, off the stands or through the comic book store, for more than 20 years. I also compiled a list, beginning with all the DC Comics that had been published up to that time, and I began working my way backwards, buying back issues as I could afford them, and filling in the holes in my collection. It's about then that I realized how many comics this was and how expensive that was going to be. But in any case, uh, now more than 20 years later, uh, my collection contains more than 50,000 books. I own more than 90% of everything DC has ever published. Of course, many of the remaining books all come from the Golden Age, and those are all pricey. Um, so I'll doubt I'll ever be able to complete my collection. I seriously doubt I can ever afford an action number one or a detective 27. However, I've managed to find other ways to fill in those missing books. Um, so the ones I don't have, I can actually read them in the form of reprints uh, or on microfiche or digital copies. Just other ways to fill in without actually having the physical book, although Eventually, I'd like to add all the physical books. I just don't know how possible that's going to be. So anyway, a few weeks ago, uh, I got the last book I needed uh, that featured original content anyway. So now I have every DC comic ever published in some format. Either I have a physical copy, which like I said, I have more than 90% in physical copy. Um, or I have them on fiche, or I've got a reprint of it or I have a digital copy of it somewhere. So I have every original story in some format. I still need a couple of reprint books. Um, I'll talk about those a little bit later. 
But now it's actually possible for me to read every single DC comic ever published. And guess what? I plan to do it. I've already read tons and tons of comics, but I would kind of like to start at the beginning and just work my way through. And I thought, the, for the purpose of this podcast, I thought it would be a great idea to uh, kind of share that experience of reading things from the very beginning. You know, I probably, you know, will never get up to current day as far as doing this podcast. There's just too many comics. But for those early episodes or those early issues, I think uh, I can actually cover some stuff that no one's ever read before or most people haven't read before. So for this podcast, it's a trip back in time. Hopefully other people will follow along as I read and review the earliest DC Comics ever published. Along the way, I plan on sharing info about the comics themselves, the creators who made them. I've done some research on some of these people and some of the stuff I've just picked up along the way. I'll be covering stuff about the company itself, DC, and all its sub-entities like All-American Comics, um, all the way up to, you know, some of the ones they've purchased recently, like, you know, the Wild Storms. Uh, before that, it was uh, the, the Charlton characters, that kind of thing. Uh, but most importantly, um, I plan to cover the stories themselves. Um, I don't think many people have, have even had a chance to read many of these stories and uh, or know much about them. So I'll be covering the stories, the characters who starred in them, and the developments of these characters and stories over time. And I'll be starting at the very beginning, working my way forward. Uh, that means much of this early material is not going to be widely available to most fans. So I'll do my best to describe what's the, the stories and the characters um, as best I can. Um, I might post some, some pictures in the show notes um, to help follow along. And I'll point out different places where maybe some of these stories have been reprinted where you can find them uh, without having to go track down these ultra-rare books from the, the 1930s and such. So I can hope I can make this sort of a history lesson, but still make it fun and entertaining. Sit back and enjoy while I explore the amazing world of DC history. DC history began on January 11th, 1935. According to an article published in the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, New Fun is the title of a juvenile magazine that appeared on the newsstands of principal cities throughout the United States. Now, I have no idea how wide this distribution actually was, but based on the mail that appeared in early letter columns, distribution seems to be pretty widespread across the country. And yes, those early issues did have letter columns. So that article goes on to explain that the president of National Allied Publications Incorporated, Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson, planned to publish the tabloid-sized periodical monthly. It states that new fun would be converted to a weekly in the near future. That never happened, of course. In fact, after the first four months, there was difficulty even keeping with a monthly schedule. Um, I'll include a link to the article that I'm referencing here uh, in the show notes. New Fun number one was the first ever publication from the company that would eventually become DC Comics. The company started as National Allied Publications, which eventually became National Periodical Publications, and that name lasted until the 1970s. Many people called DC by this name, or just National for short. Uh, these days everybody simply calls them DC, 
Um, I'll be tracking the evolution of the company name um, as I go through future episodes um, because it did change over time. Um, obviously, it started here as National Allied, uh, and some books were published by as one publishing entity, and some were published by another. So, as I go through the the different books, I'll be discussing uh, you know the evolution of that uh, the DC name. Cover dated in February 1935, the first issue of New Fun was published at tabloid size, meaning it was about 10 by 15, and it was 32 black and white pages with a slick cover, and it sold for 10 cents. The cover logo says FUN in large white letters, and there's a diagonal banner in the upper left stating NEW, so that's where you get the name NEW FUN. With the issue 7, the new logo was replaced by more, making the title more fun. And I'll be explaining the evolution of that name uh, probably in a future episode. Um, however, the title uh, of the magazine was often just called Fun in the text pieces inside them. So it was called, you know, they just refer to the title as Fun. A subtitle, The Big Comic Magazine, um, does appear under the logo and in the inside front cover. The subtitle would continue to be used through issue 8. Never would the title be called New Fun Comics. That's often how it's referred to when I find it listed different places. I think some of that is an artifact of the old Overstreet price guides where it was referred to as New Fun Comics, but the official title was always New Fun. More Fun Comics, which is what uh, New Fun actually turned into after issue 6, wasn't even the official title until issue 20. Uh, More Fun number 9 through 19 uh, would display More Fun comics only on the cover. The uh, Indicia would always call it just More Fun. So every issue of New Fun and the first few issues of More Fun featured single page comic strips complete with panels on the front cover. More Fun number 10 was the first issue to feature a single image uh, like most comic covers today have. Uh, the first two issues had covers featuring a character known as Jack Woods and that strip was drawn by Lyman Anderson. Number three featured a cover of Don Drake. Number four was Loco Luke. Number five was Jack Woods again. This time it was drawn by artist W.C. Brigham. Number six had a cover featuring Charlie Fish, illustrated by Vin Sullivan, who was an early DC editor. The cover of issue number one claimed new comic strips, aircraft, radio, movies, stories, adventure, mysteries, sports, and prizes, all of which, of course, could be found on the inside. Uh, a lot of things were text features, but there were many comic strips, um, all brand new, which was a kind of a new innovation. Most of the comics that had existed up to this point, of which there were very few, uh, were all primarily reprints of the Sunday strips that had appeared in newspapers. Inside the front cover, there was an introductory piece about the magazine. It introduces the mascot uh, of, this, of the title, um, a character wearing a long pointed hat who resembles a dwarf from Snow White. Now the mascot's name is Fun, 
and the introduction is written as if it was told by fun or read to you by fun and so I'll go ahead and read that introduction here's the new magazine you've been waiting for fun speaking stand by all stations I'm bringing you this first issue of fun magazine to be followed by more and more carrying with every issue a new cargo of mystery and thrills come with me and I'll lead you all over the world under the sea and up into the sky We'll fight Indians on the western plains. We'll strive at, the fo at football and baseball and basketball. We'll ride above the burning Sahara Desert with Wing Brady. We'll follow Sandra in her courageous battles against the secret activities of sinister enemies. We'll don armor and take lance in hand and ride beside Ivanhoe through the tournaments and under the castle walls of Old England. We'll jump into the magic crystal with Bobby and Binks and see ancient Egypt and Babylonia. Hear the thunder and tread of Alexander's marching phalanxes. See the Roman legions battling against the barbarians. We'll come back and ride the waves in Captain Eric's good ship. We'll dive under the sea with the super police. We'll flash through space with Don Drake and see strange planets and weird people. Folks, we'll go places and do things and we'll chuckle at Judge Perkins and Loco Luke and the rest of the cockeyed crew of Cuckoo Birds. Well, that's one long run-on sentence. Yes, it's all one sentence the way it's written here. Now hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. I, Fun, known as Fun the Fantastic, do hereby make a point and commission each and every one of you as assistant editors of this reckless, rollicking and revivifying magazine and do hereby command that you get on the job and write me telling you what you like and why you like it and vice versa and telling moreover the good ideas you have and the good jokes that the rest of you might enjoy and sending us your the funny drawings and that we might laugh at don't be a tightwad and keep good things to yourself and I fun known as fun the fantastic do hereby promise that each and every issue of this magazine will be bigger and better and more chock full of fun. And if you'll do your share and tell your friends about fun, I'll promise muy pronto, as Loco Luke would say, to bring you a new fun every week instead of one a month. What do you think of that? Think right off the bat, fill out the bottom of the page, write in the name of the cartoon comic in fun that you like the best, and mail it in. Don't forget to write your name and address plainly and write in the name and address of the nearest movie theater. That is important. For the first 100 readers that write in are we going to send, are going to get a prize, a free pass for 5 shows to the nearest movie. Now listen, if in addition you'll write a letter telling us why you like fun and your letter is one of the 10 best letters, you'll receive a free artist drawing of one of the cartoon strips that you like best. And there are more prizes coming, but this offer is only good until February 4th. So hurry up, no matter how far away you live from New York, you have a good chance to win, for you will be credited with the number of days it takes for your letter to reach here. Fill out the coupon below and get it in the mail right away. So this introduction also reiterates the sentiment expressed in the newspaper article about the possibility of weekly publication. And the contest deadline is given as February 4th, which further establishes that the release of the book happened in January. As most contest deadlines were usually 
the beginning of the following month in which the book was released. In this case, February 4th was the first Friday. So the January 11th release date that was published in the newspaper article uh, seems to be fairly consistent with what's published here. Also on the inside front cover is a listing of the features in the magazine and the list of editors, including Lloyd Jacket, uh, who was the first primary editor for DC, or national at this time. Uh, he'd only last four issues. Dick Loader is listed as the art editor. His artwork is featured in several of the issues. Uh, Loader was also certainly responsible for drawing Fun the Fantastic, the new fun mascot. His uh, strip Bubby and Beevil that appears in this issue is pretty much the exact same art style. In fact, the character of Fun looks like one of the characters from that strip. So he almost certainly created Fun the Fantastic. Sheldon H. Stark is listed as the cartoon editor. And of course, DC founder Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson is listed as the president in the Indicia. The first issue of New Fun contains 20 pages of comics, plus many text features and articles. Some of these early comics were single-page gags, but many of the stories were actually serialized adventures that took place over a number of issues. Not until More Fun number 9 did any single feature occupy more than a single page. Since trying to read so many of these long serials over multiple of these podcast episodes isn't going to be all that enjoyable, because you're only going to, you'd only get one page at a time of this feature and one page of that feature, I'm going to instead try to cover a single feature of a, of a single serial uh, per podcast, and then I'll move on to the next one. So the first of these serials is one that begins on the cover of New Fun Comics number one, or New Fun number one, excuse me. It is told in 17 chapters, many of which are single pages. Um, and this, this serial ran until More Fun 17, which is how you get 17 chapters. Um, so More Fun 17 was cover dated January 1937. So it took two full years for this serial to complete. Not only would the story covering the story in installments be kind of difficult, but try to imagine how hard it would be to go and find and buy all 17 of this, these issues so you could get one single story. I mean, that could run you a hundred grand or so, depending on uh, the condition of the books you were trying to get. So, given how long these serials lasted, I wonder how many kids at the time, back in 1935, followed it from beginning to end. Not many, I'd imagine, um, especially like when comics were so disposable back in the day. By the time number 17 came out, even if you bought number one off the stands, you probably didn't have it anymore. Your mom probably threw it out, or you traded it to another kid. Seriously doubt many people had all 17 uh, issues when the final chapter of this first story ended. So let's uh, get started here with the very first serial from beginning with New Fun number one. Our story begins with Jack Woods, the protagonist, reaching the Rio Grande Valley. Jack is a typical cowboy on horseback, and from a bluff overlooking the valley, he witnesses two men driving cattle at night. The men are ranch owner Don Nogales and far his farmhand Miguel. 
Now, Nagalis orders Miguel to go get Jack, which he does at, at gunpoint. Jack is then led back to the Nogales ranch. Jack manages to disarm Miguel, uh, and he then begins questioning Nogales, unaware that Miguel is about to strike from behind with a knife. Nogales calls off Miguel's attack, and he's impressed by Jack's nerve, so he offers him a job at the ranch. Jack accepts, but he soon realizes that there are more cattle on the ranch than there should be. When he investigates, he discovers that the Nogales brand is actually covering the brand used by the G-Bar Ranch, and most of these cows have been stolen. Nogales and Miguel observe Jack and plan to kill him for discovering their secret. These first two installments appeared on the covers of New Fun Number 1 and Number 2. Both were drawn and presumably written by Lyman Matthew Anderson. Anderson was born in 1907 and had been drawing for the pulp since 1929. In addition to these two covers, Anderson drew the first two installments of Jack Andrews, another feature from New Fun. These appeared in issues one and two. He may have drawn the third. It's There's a byline uh, credited to somebody else, but it seems like that may have just been one of his pseudonyms. Um, so he was drawing for only a brief time uh, for Wheeler Nicholson's virgining National Allied Publishing. In April 1935, Anderson began a three-year run drawing the Inspector Wade newspaper comic strip, and by 1939 he'd moved on to illustrate stories for magazines like Reader's Digest, Saturday Evening Post, I think he did like some Better Homes and Gardens or something like that as well. Um, he died in 1993, um, but he'll forever hold the distinction of being DC's first cover artist. So that's a little bit about Lyman Anderson. So the third Jack Woods installment appears on an interior page of New Fun number three. Jack's adventures were now being drawn by the pen of Walter Cole Brigman, often as W.C. or just C. Brigman. Brigman was an older artist born in 1870. That makes him 65 years old when he took over drawing the Jack Woods strip. Prior to working in comics, uh, Brigham had been involved in many art forms, including the design of stained glass windows. He painted many pulp covers in the late 20s and early 1930s. He drew the Jack Woods strip until More Fun number 20 in 1937, and that, would, that issue would feature his last work at National. Uh, he also provided work for two other features besides Jack Woods. He provided art for Sondra of the Secret Service and Brad, Brad Hardy. Uh, beyond National, his work appeared in early comics for Dell and Centaur Publishing. And Brigham died in 1941 at the age of 71. So this was kind of late in his life. He wasn't one of the young bucks that uh, would be doing many stories at National. He was one of the old guard from the Pulps. Um, so at the top of each page of Jack's adventures in New Fun number three through number six, uh, there was a single row of panels uh, that wasn't part of the Jack Wood story. These were called Famous in South America. These strips, presumably also written and drawn by Brigham, detailed biographies of famous individuals 
New Front number three through number five tell the tale of General Simon Bolivar, who helped free Venezuela from Spanish rule in the early 19th century. New Front number six provides details about the life of Manuel Belgrano, an Argentinian leader uh, who's also lived in the early 19th century. Um, so these comics of yesteryear were full of little factoids about history and science. Presumably this, this would make them seem more educational to parents. Um, and this is an aspect of comics that's uh, been lost and sadly lacking in modern comics today, which are have no educational value, unlike the comics of, of yesteryear. So let's get back to the story. Uh, new fun number three shows Jack invited to dinner by Don Nogales, unaware that the plot to kill him. Uh, he meets Don's daughter Dolores and the governor Don Pedro, who fancies Dolores. Uh, when Jack tries to defend her honor, uh, the, governor, the governor summons his men and places Jack in front of a firing squad. Before the squad can execute the order to kill him, the ranch is attacked and surrounded by the soldiers of Pancho Villa. Now, Pancho Villa was a real Mexican revolutionary who lived during the early part of the 20th century. So this sets the time frame of Jack's adventures, probably around the time of World War One. And this is this being the first strip drawn by Brigham, the art style is quite a bit different than the first two adventures from the cover. Uh, Brigham's early work is much more detailed, um, especially in the early adventures that he's drawing here. By the time this storyline finishes, Brigham's artwork had become very rough and not nearly as good. These these first couple, especially from like New Fun number three, um, are actually quite detailed and nice um, versus his later drawings. I don't know if that was a uh, circumstance of, of age of the artist or just not caring because it's a comic book. Um, don't really know the story behind it, but uh, the Brigham art certainly uh, gets less and less detailed over time. So in the story, Jack uh, takes refuge inside our, the ranch house with Dolores, the governor, and Don Nogales. Um, again, Pancho Villa is attacking. Uh, so he helps the ranchers defend the, the homestead until it becomes apparent that their lack of ammunition uh, is, is not going to hold out and they're going to be overwhelmed. So Jack crawls through a cellar window to escape without being seen to bring back help. Uh, he does fight his way past several of uh, Pancho Villa's guards. He steals a horse and runs away. While Jack is gone, one of the farm hands tells Pancho Villa about a secret entrance to the ranch house, and the general uses this entrance to enter, and he captures all the defenders. Jack reaches the Rurales, um, which are a Mexican mounted police force, and brings them back to the ranch. However, uh, Villa and his men have already taken control of the ranch and hold the rancher and the governor hostage. Jack decides to go in by himself via the secret entrance to perform a rescue. That brings us to the end of New Fun number six. Uh, this serial started out with Jack's investigation of cattle ranchers and now has turned into a battle against Pancho Villa. Uh, Don Nogales, the rustler, was initially Jack's adversary because he was stealing cattle, but without explanation, Jack is working to save him 
and the same governor who put him in front of a firing squad. Mm, I suspect that the change of direction was initiated at least in part by in part by Brigham, who took over in New Fund Number Three. Uh, he abandoned that whole wrestling storyline in favor of something different. Um, the governor story was also about to be abandoned as New Fund Number Six ends with Pancho Villa holding three hostages. Nogales, his daughter Dolores, and the governor. However, when the story resumes with more fun number seven, only Dolores and her father are hostages. No mention is ever made of the governor. In addition, her father, uh, who was called Don Nogales, is now called Don Miguel from this point on. Uh, the name Nogales actually last appeared in the installment from more fun number, or excuse me, new fun number four. Uh, keep in mind that the serial was published in single-page installments that were issued monthly. However, the first four issues of New Fun were indeed published monthly, but three calendar months passed between uh, issue four and issue five. And then another two months appeared before number six was released. And then another two and a half months went by between issues six and seven. So you've got wide gaps between installments. And these strips were not likely written and drawn all at the same time and then just published sequentially. So it's possible that details like the presence of the governor and Nogales' original last name were simply forgotten between installments by the writer. Um, you know, would readers at the time have noticed with going, without going back to, their sec to the previous issues, even if they still had them? Because keep in mind, they're... You know, moms are throwing these out, and they're trading to their friends. So when you get in the installment from More Fun Number 7, do you still have the installment from New Fun Number 1 to know that the name has been changed? I doubt it. It's one of the reasons why I've always disliked newspaper serials in general. Uh, following a story from day to day or week to week, in the case of the Sundays, has always been really... I, very difficult to me. It's a very different experience than reading a, a standard comic book. Uh, you only get a small amount of detail in of story in a single installment, and often that's just a couple of panels. And as the serial continues, the details from previous installments are not fresh in your mind, and that hinders my enjoyment of the story. Um, clearly following serials like this where months go by between installments was not an ideal situation. Uh, once the stories were expanded to multiple pages per issue, which happened in, at issue 9, um, that would dramatically improve the, the situation of telling these stories because you can tell more of the story in a single installment. And the each installment could actually develop and be enjoyable on its own instead of having... Um, having to read the whole thing in order to get any enjoyment out of it at all because a single page just wasn't enough, at least not for me as a reader. Maybe back for a kid in 1935 it was like, ooh, a comic that doesn't really go anywhere because I only get one small fraction of the story. Anyway, this Jack Woods story, for example, ran 17 episodes, and in total it was only 26 pages over the course of two full calendar years. So it's a very different reading experience these days, even with the uh, decompressed, right-for-the-trade mentality that, and style that modern comics writers use. 
So more fun number seven picks up the story of Jack Woods, who has entered the ranch house where Dolores and her father, now Don Miguel, are held hostage by Pancho Villa. Jack is spotted by soldiers, but nevertheless succeeds in rescuing the captives. They take two horses, with Don Miguel on one and Jack and Dolores on the other. Don Miguel falls from his horse, forcing Jack to stop. Now, I have a question. What happened to the to the Rurales, who are, the, again, the Mexican police, uh, who Jack had run away to go help, uh, to, to go get their help, well, they're gone. Just like with the governor, uh, no mention is ever made of this, what happened to them. They're just gone. Uh, also of note here is that Jack's adventures in More Fun number 8 and More Fun number 9 were in black and white only. Uh, most comics from this era were a mix of four color and black and white pages. Uh, New Fun number 1 and number 2 were actually all black and white issues. However, since Jack was featured on the cover of these two issues, his strip was the only one in either of those two issues that was in color. Um, so number 8 and number 9 um, are black and white. The rest of this story is all in color. More Fun number 9 is the first issue to be published at standard comic size. Issues 1 through 8 were oversized tabloid size. So imagine like a Marvel Treasury Edition or one of the um, oversized DC Limited Collector's Edition. Uh, issues 1 through 8 were published at that size or pretty close to it. Um, the smaller format uh, that More Fun number 9 was published in became the basic standard for Golden Age comics. It's actually a little bit larger than mar modern comics as they've uh, st comics have steadily gotten narrow in dimension uh, over the decades that have followed. Um, Silver Age comics were thinner than Golden Age but still wider than modern and um, over time uh, the smaller formats have, have uh, been more in use. Um, the smaller format in this case actually allowed the new fun or more fun as it was now called to increase in page count. So the early issues of New Fun started at 32 pages and then went to 40 pages. So with More Fun number 9, it's now a 64-page book. Um, I, by the way, I never include covers in page counts. Um, the publishers themselves are really inconsistent about whether covers should be included in page counts or not. So for example, the 80-page Giants from the 1960s um, had 80 pages not including the covers, so if you did include covers, they'd be 84. But a 100-page Super Spectacular from the 70s, well, in order to get to the 100, you actually did have to include the covers. They were actually 96 pages uh, with four covers. So um, the 64-page count that I'm, I'm saying that 64 pages was does actually not include covers. Um, and the 64-page count uh, size that More Fun number 9 used um, was the, pretty much the standard comic size until the wartime paper shortages uh, forced them to gradually shrink. Um, and of course more pages per issue meant that each strip could expand to more than one page. Number 9 was the first installment of Jack Woods that was two pages long instead of just one. Um, so let's go ahead and continue. Jack's adventure continues in more fun number eight, 
where he stops to help Don Miguel, who's fallen from his horse. And again, he is formerly Don Nogales. Um, he places the exhausted man uh, on the horse with his daughter and instructs her to ride for a mountain cave. Um, Jack then leads Pancho Villa and his troops away from them because they've been in pursuit. Jack finally makes a stand near a riverbed. The soldiers, believing him to have drowned, break off their pursuit and follow the trail back to Dolores. Armed with only a pistol, the girl reaches the cave that Jack sent her to and prepares to protect her father from any pursuers. Because somehow, um, Don Miguel, formerly Nogales, has, uh, was injured. Uh, doesn't really show where he was injured, he just kind of fell off his horse. I don't know if the injury was from falling off his horse or if he's exhausted from being held hostage for five minutes. Um, doesn't really explain, but he's now injured and so his daughter has to protect him. Jack follows a parallel course to the cave and he climbs the mountainside to reach it before Pancho Villa can get there. Uh, and Pancho Villa is like, and his men are looking for a path up to the cave because it's uh, on a mountain. Uh, using his rifle from the cave entrance, Jack picks off at least one of the pursuing soldiers. Uh, however, Pancho Villa himself has scaled the mountainside out of Jack's sight, and he gets the drop on Jack from behind, and a struggle ensues. Uh, while Jack fights Pancho Villa uh, near the precipice of a mountain ledge, uh, the other soldiers finish climbing to reach the cave entrance, and fearing their leader will fall, the men lasso him and, and Jack too and pull them away from the edge from, and away from danger. Insulted by the fact that he had to be rescued by his men, uh, Via angrily tosses one of his men, own men off of a cliff. Um, the soldiers then enter the cave and pull out Dolores and her father. Uh, Jack has to recover a bit from his fight with Pancho Villa and though he's outnumbered he puts up a spirited defense uh, that ultimately fails. Um, Pancho Villa then escorts his prisoners back to Don Miguel's hacienda. Uh, he intends to hold the wealthy rancher and his daughter for ransom. Uh, with Jack, however, he intends to use him for sport. Um, Jack is tied by his ankle to a horse, which is then startled into a running gallop. Jack is dragged behind the horse, presumably to try to kill him, and uh, seeing the American in distress uh, through the ranch win window, uh, Dolores finds a rifle and uses uncanny marksmanship to shoot the horse. Via and his men are furious over their ruined uh, sport. Uh, in, in the confusion over the shooting of the horse, Jack escapes. Uh, Pancho Villa and his men give pursuit into the surrounding hills where they think Jack is gone, but Jack doubles back and returns to the ranch. He overpowers one of the guards and then uses a mirror to deflect sunlight in hopes of sending a message in Morse code to the federal authorities who are hunting for Pancho Villa. Um, the signal is picked up, but Villa returns to the ranch before the federal troops can be organized to come help them. Uh, one thing to note here is that didn't Jack already bring back the Rurales, the police, to the ranch in the previous installment? Um, so now he's signaling for more men to come help well, I thought he already brought men to come help. Uh, kind of strange. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think the, the bringing back the police was just written out of the story, forgotten, who knows. Um, 
just weird. As uh, Pontrevi and his men approach the ranch, um, Dolores and Jack fire on them with their guns, and the defenders hope they can hold out long enough until the, the federal troops can arrive. Don Miguel suggests saving three bullets for themselves rather than be captured again. Okay, seriously? This guy is suggesting suicide. Wow. <laughs> what a big help that guy has been. First off, he is a cattle rustler. Next, he changed his name for no reason in mid-story. Also, uh, since their initial escape from the ranch, uh, Don Nogales, a.k.a. Don Miguel, has been uh, injured and let his daughter do the fighting for him. Uh, his injury came out of nowhere, too. He just fell off his horse while fleeing from uh, supposed exhaustion. Um, I guess being a hostage is tiring work, so, uh, hey, save three bullets. Let's kill ourselves rather than be captured. Um, so next, uh, Pontrevia enters the hacienda through a rear door and tries to surprise Jack. Uh, Dolores saves him, and then Jack and Pontrevia fight hand-to-hand. The federal troops arrive to handle Villa's men outside. Jack, of course, wins the fight with Pancho Villa um, and delivers him to the authorities uh, where he'll, he will apparently face a firing squad. Um, Don Miguel is sent to a hospital and hopefully prison for his cattle wrestling. I don't know. <laughs> Jack then bids uh, Dolores farewell, claiming that he has to f fulfill a promise elsewhere. Um, he rides north back to his own country, because, of course, this is across the border in Mexico. So he's riding back to um, the United States. So that's it for Jack's first adventure. Uh, this story, of course, as I mentioned earlier, ran from New Fun number 1 until New Fun num or More Fun number 17. Jack was also featured on the cover of New Fun number 5, but that strip isn't actually part of this story, and I'll be covering it later. Um, New Fun number five actually had the the strip on the the Jackwood strip on the cover and the strip inside, which is part of the story. Um, so if you wanted to read more Jackwood stories, um, there are some reprints available, but the reprints are probably more difficult to find than the original issues, which are very very difficult to find or afford. So um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I have all the original, uh, every original DC story in some form or another, you know, whether it's fiche or paper or, um, in some cases, reprints or digital. Uh, well, there's two reprint books that I don't have in any format. One of those is called The Big Book of Fun Comics. It was actually, it's considered by some to be the D first DC annual. Uh, this book was released in late 1935, so it would have come out uh, just after New Fun number 6, but before More Fun number 7. And it was sold only in five and dime stores, uh, aka Woolworths. Um, I don't think these are, I know these stores aren't around anymore, but um, uh, they were around back then. It was just a specialty store, um, so it wasn't sold on a, on a typical newsstand. And thanks to Howard Keltner's Golden Age Comic Index, um, I have an excellent accounting of what uh, stories were reprinted in this issue. Uh, Big Book of Fun reprinted the Jackwood stories from New Fun number three and New Fun number four. Again, single page uh, entries on both those. The second reprint book 
that I don't have in any form is New Book of Comics number one, which was another early DC annual, as they call them. Um, this one was released in early 1937, possibly late 1936. Hard to pin down a date. I've never actually uh, had a copy of this, so I can't confirm that. Um, unfortunately, I don't have an accurate content listing for this one. Um, it isn't covered in Keltner's index. By the way, that Keltner Golden Age Comic Index, um, you can it's a, you can find it in PDF format um, on the web. Just search for the uh, for Howard Keltner Comic Book Index. Um, it's uh, it's really useful for telling you what features appeared in a lot of different old Golden Age comics. So um, Overstreet. Uh, claims that New Book of Comics contains reprints of New Fun number one to four and More Fun number nine. I'm not sure if that's correct because Big Book of Fun Comics had the reprints of New Fun one to four, but since I have never actually had a copy of New Fun or New Book of Comics number one, I don't know if that content listing is accurate. Um, I do, however, have a digital copy of New Book of Comics number two. This one was the came out in 1938, um, and it reprints the Jack Wood story from More Fun number 15. Um, so you may be asking, come on, Mike, is there anywhere not from the 1930s that I can find a Jack Wood story? And how about that ultra rare Double Action Comics number two? cover date of January 1940. Hey, that's not the 1930s. Um, it reprints the Jack Wood story from More Fun number 28, which uh, I'll probably be covering that story uh, at a later date. Um, however, you can find Jack Wood stories at a more reasonable price than all these uh, super rare Golden Age books that I've mentioned. Um, you can find them on microfiche. Um, many of the early issues of New Fun and a couple of the new funds as well were actually released by Microcolor in the 1990s. They're not available from Microcolor anymore, and, but uh, you can hunt them online. Um, and I found used ones for a couple dollars each. Um, you just need to have a microfiche reader. Uh, the quality isn't great, but they're much more affordable than spending you know a couple thousand dollars for one issue. You can just spend a couple dollars to, uh, to be able to read some of these old comics. Um, I will be posting three of the the three Jack Woods covers from New Fun in the show notes, so you can get some samples of, of the Jack stories. Number one and two are by Lyman Anderson. Number five is drawn by Brigham. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, number five is not really part of this story that I covered here. It's it's kind of a one-off piece. Um, but uh, you can actually see both artists' work um, in, by looking at those covers. And I'll put, put some uh, quite high-quality scans up there so you can see them. So that's, um, that's all I got for this episode of Mike's Amazing World of DC History. Next time, I'll be picking up the coverage of the early DC serials, um, again, starting with New Fun number 1. Um, and I'll be probably talking about Sandra of the Secret Service. And I'll also be talking about more some of the other features that were in New Fun. And uh, please let me know what you think of this show. You can send me email at mike at dcindexes.com. 
Um, I'll try to read them on the emails I get on the next show if I get them in time. Um, don't forget to visit Mike's Amazing World of Comics at www.mikesamazingworld.com for tons of, of info about comics from all eras. So even if uh, this 1930s stuff isn't your cup of tea, there's stuff on modern comics, Silver Age comics, Bronze Age, Tin Age, whatever age you want to talk about. Um, you can also like the site on Facebook, and uh, if you do so, um, I, pr I post regular updates about the site there. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, Mike's Amazing World. There's no stopping us now.